for our praise and worship. Leaders and musicians. They make a, they make a guy feel like he can get he can sing. I think I'm getting better. 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 I give an honor to God who's first in my life. Uh, to uh, my wife. Baby mama. My blue. Uh, to my boys, uh, Eminem, Mike, and Mason. Uh, to the pastors in a fine house. Come on, can we give it up for our pastors? Pastor Edgar. Pastor Charisse. Uh, I, was, I almost told him, I said, man, just take it. Take the mic and go with it. He was, he made, he was making me feel good. He was making me feel good. The word. Sometimes uh, Jeremiah said it. It's like fire. Shut up in, the, in our bones. And I don't know if y'all saw him, but the groove was so good that he started, fast started swaying. I was like, oh, okay, fast, okay, okay, okay. Uh, let me stop playing. Uh, giving honor to my mom who's not here. Uh, I always give her honor because she gave me life. Uh, and I give honor to my father uh, who's not here physically, but uh, he's up in heaven. Uh, and the reason I have this shirt on is because tomorrow marks four years that, uh, God took him home. But what I hold close to my heart is the memories. Because it's not hard raising young boys when I'm a young boy myself. Yeah, I know. Uh, raising young boys and not having my father to look up to, but the memories, what he taught me, I hold close to my heart. So uh, if you can, before you go to bed and I say a special prayer for my uh, family. Because this time is the roughest time of the year. Amen. Open up your Bibles uh, to the book of Genesis. Starting at the 29th verse. I'm sorry, the 29th chapter. Starting at the 29th verse. Genesis 29, unto Rachel and he loved also Rachel more than Leah and served with him yet seven other years and when the Lord saw that Leah was hated it's something when the Lord saw the word on the Lord today is that God sees he opened up her womb but Rachel was barren and Leah conceived and bare a son and, called, and she called his name Reuben for she says surely the Lord have looked Upon my affliction, now therefore my husband will love me. And Leah conceived again and bare a son and said, Because the Lord hath heard that I was hated, he hath therefore given me this son also. Second son she named Simeon. And Leah conceived again and bare a third son and said, Now this time will my husband be joined unto me, because I have bore him three sons. Therefore was his name called Levi. And she conceived again and bare a son. And she said, now will I praise the Lord. Therefore, she called his name Judah, which means praise, and left bearing. 
I would like to talk to you for a little while, holla at y'all for a little while under the subject, the love letter, the love letter. Father, today, I thank you for your presence. I'm feeling it in the room right now. I pray, God, that you will open our eyes to see your word, that you open our ears to hear and our hearts to receive the seed which you gave me from heaven. And I pray that it would take root in each and every person's heart and soul this morning. That the way we came won't be the way we leave. Touch us now. Speak. We are hearing in Jesus' name. And the church says, amen. At age 22, Walt Disney experienced bankruptcy after the failure of a cartoon series in Kansas City. He headed to Los Angeles with $40 in cash and an imitation leather suitcase containing only a shirt, two undershorts, two pairs of socks, and some drawing materials. Feeling that others did animation better, his goal was to be an actor out in Hollywood, but it never occurred. Walt formed his first animation company in Kansas City, and he made a deal with a distribution company in New York in which he would ship his cartoons and get paid six months down the road. He was forced to dissolve his company and at one point could not pay his rent and was surviving by eating dog food. When Walt tried to get MGM Studios to distribute Mickey Mouse in 1927, he was told that the idea would never work because a giant mouse on the screen would terrify women. Walt's production of Three Little Pigs was rejected by his distributors in 1933 because it only had four characters. It was felt at that time that cartoons shouldn't have as many figures on the screen as possible. It later became very successful and played at one theater so long that the poster outside featured the pigs with long white boards. Snow White and the Seven Doors was sneak previewed to college students in 1937 who left halfway during the film, causing Disney great despair. It turned out that the students had to leave early because of dorm curfew. Why are you, why are you giving these illustrations? Because... Walt Disney experienced great adversity. But it was his reaction to the adversity that aided him in achieving success in life. Which brings me to my first point on today. Never underestimate the power of perspective. Because it can change everything. In our text today, we, 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 we have located or we have uh, launched from the chap Genesis chapter 29, verse 29. And in the early portion of the scripture, which I didn't read, we see Jacob embarking on a journey to find a wife. Because he who finds a wife findeth a good thing. And he stops at a well where there's a field and a pretty young thing. Rachel comes by with her sheep. Jacob sees Rachel and he's mesmerized by how beautiful she is and asks the minute he came with you, go water the sheep. I'm paraphrasing here. Go water the sheep. I got to get my Mac on. Jacob goes, and what I love about this portion of Scripture is that Jacob was a gentleman in this portion of the Scripture. He starts watering all the flock that Rachel was sent to water because a real man takes on the responsibility of relieving hard work and duties from his wife. Fellas, can I get an amen? Don't leave me up here hanging. Don't leave me up here hanging. I love carrying the groceries in. 
when my wife comes home from the supermarket because it's my time to shine. So I'll run out to the car and I'll grab 8, 10, 12, 14 bags on these wrists. I'll open the door with both bags, with both hands full. Run in the, in, the, in the door and lay the bags on the ground. And I lay down slowly because I want to see her to see the guns and the veins that pop out. Because I don't want her carrying what she bought. It's my job to carry them and bring them in. And then I help her put them away. Because I've learned that when I reach up to the high cabinets, the guns. Oh, let me put them away. Right. We in church. Stop. Stop. We in church. Don't want to hurt nobody. It gives me a chance. I'm sorry. I, I'm in my youth pastor mode. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It gives, me, it gives me a chance to flex for. I don't mind doing the dishes. Mm-hmm, scrub, scrub. Because Mr. Clean can't be the only man that's cleaning in my house. Don't mind moving the furniture around. Mopping up the floor because, number one, it sets an example to my boys. That when they grow up. It's the man's job to take on the responsibility of leading in the house by not, by not just providing, but by serving. Besides, when the boy's asleep, that's less for her to do, which means there's more time for me. It's <laughs> a method to my madness. Let me get back to this story. Jacob meets Laban. Jacob goes after the well, after he meets Rachel, and, he, and she takes him back to meet her father, Laban, and he agrees to work for Rachel. It is interesting to note that when most preachers preach on the story, they say, like, Rachel will talk about. But I'm after your perspective today, so we will talk about Leah. Leah's name in Hebrew means weary. Verse 17 of the 29th chapter tells us that Leah was tender-eyed, but Rachel was beautiful and well-favored. You got to love the Bible. Leah was tender-eyed, but Rachel was beautiful. So if we know what beautiful means, tender eye means that she was unattractive. The word for somebody today is you've been getting weary because you've been overlooked like Leah, underestimated like Leah. The promotion should have been yours at your job because you've been there longer, i.e. Leah was the older daughter. Perhaps you feel undervalued, but here's the word that God gave me, that the promotion that you wanted was all right, but God has greater. That door was shut on purpose because that door was the door or the walkway to entry-level positions, and God is saying, I'm about to open the door for you to be a manager. If you receive it, say amen. And while, you're waiting on, while you're waiting on God, while you're waiting on God to open that door, God told me to tell you to work on your prayer. Perspective. Jacob worked seven years for Rachel. And at the end of the seven years, it's the wedding night. And Laban slipped Leah in to be with Jacob. Jacob wakes up in the morning and sees that it's not Rachel, but that it's Leah. And he's upset. He marries Leah, waits to the end of the bridal week. And the Bible says that he works another seven years for Rachel's hand in marriage. That brother was in love. Verse 30 and 31 shows us how Leah was treated. Can you put up the slide that shows Leah, how Leah was treated, the cons in her life? 
Number one, Leah was weak-eyed. Everybody around her considered to be ugly, considered to her sister Rachel. Number two, she was treated as a second option. Jacob wanted Rachel, but was given or tricked into getting Leah. So Leah dealt with being married to a man who wanted another woman. Number three, Leah was used and employed by her father, Laban, to deceive Jacob. And then number five, verse 30 of Genesis 29 and 30, we read it says that Leah was hated. Leah was hated. So one thing in life I learned is that in this life you will be hated. You will have haters. The key is allowing your haters to be your elevators. And the Bible says that God opens up her womb. And then we have a flip. Before it was Rachel was beautiful, Rachel's well favored, Leah's tender eye. But now we have a flip in verse 31 because it says that God opens Leah's womb and now Rachel is barren. They tried to disqualify her due to her looks, but God qualified her with the promotion to become a mother. That's a word for somebody there right there because they whispered on you, they conspired. They told their lies on you, but God favored you. They set traps, and they waited to ambush you, but God had a covering over you. Can I testify real quick? They counted me out. Nine years ago, I graduated from college. Not nine years ago. I'm sorry. I've been nine, a teacher nine years. Several years ago, I graduated from college. I'm getting old. I'm sorry. And, and, and that was the year that New Jersey cut Teachers at a drastic rate. I'm sitting in the room. I'll never forget it. I'm sitting in the room and the professor says to me, you need to go get your master's degree. And I said, ah, I can't afford that right now. I got to go to work. Well, do you understand that they're cutting teachers? You're not going to find a job. Something in me wanted to believe them, but then it was a faith that was in me that said, you're a liar. Put out my applications. And God favored me because of the job that I was hired, my wife, my, my favor. God opened the door through her co-worker's son who got me an interview with the principal in Philly, a lady I never met before, but she looked out apart. She looked out for me because she had a connection to my wife, got the job, called the professor up and said, you told me I wasn't going to get it, but look at me now. Worked, had a problem though. I didn't have a Philadelphia, Pennsylvania certification license to teach. So I was working without a license to teach in Pennsylvania. That's favor. And year after year, four years, I worked there until it got to the point where they, I either had to go to school, back to school to get a certification license, or I had to go find another job. So I'm staring at adversity. And I said, God, you made a way before. And if you make a way before, you'll do it again. Started putting my resume out to everywhere in Jersey. You name it, I was everywhere. I was just looking for a job. There was a school be being started in Camden called City Invincible Charter School. Went there, went to the interview. The interview turned into like a, a, a church session because the, the person that was interviewing me was a church goer, and they started asking me questions about being a youth leader. So, you know, I uh, kindly changed that interview to start talking about the Lord, the good old Lord. Favor came, got the job, working on my certification license in Jersey now. After two years, 
the school closed down. First child is on the way. Didn't share this earlier, but that same summer my father passed. And I'm dealing with all this adversity, but it's how you see it. A new school in Camden was coming. I put my application out again. I said, you know what? I'm going to do it again. You did it twice. You'll do it a third time. One for the father. One for the son. And one for the Holy Ghost. Went to the interview. The lady loved me. Loved me. The gentleman that was there loved me. Two people loved me. They said, your teaching skills, I have one to ten is like a four. I said, man. But you, the way you relate to kids is the highest we've seen all day. And we interviewed over 20 people, so you got the job. How I relate to kids, remember that. Been there the last four years. This year we split. And we're going into an upper and a lower school. So I'm not going to be with the person that hired me anymore. So at our end of the year meeting, I said, well, it's been good. It's been a good ride, Ms. Turner. Uh, thank you for giving me the opportunity. Uh, I'm going to moving up to fourth grade because, you know, I, don't, I can't teach second grade. I did that before. I won't do it again. No, no, no. <laughs> and when I put my hand on the door, she said, wait, there may be another opportunity for you. Woo. I closed that door so quick, I sat down in that chair. Talk to me, talk to me, talk to me. And she said, there's an opportunity for Dean. Woo. Opening up. And I said, you really think I can do that? She said, I, do you think you can do it? I said, I think I can. And she said, it's your ability of how you relate to kids. Went to the interview, the hardest interview I went to. Got the job. I called the professor that told me 12 years ago that I would not make it and told him, been in the classroom nine years. You said I wasn't going to make it. But now God has elevated me to be a dean of students. And you know what I told him? I said, you, don't, you ain't got to call me Mr. Cole no more. The name is Dean Cole. Come on, don't tell me God can't. I came today to tell somebody, no matter how people may treat you, God sees and God loves you. And he's paying attention when others are not. When you find yourself in a Leah predicament, remember he knows my name. God knows my name and he has the power to open any womb, any door that man will try to shut on you. Look at somebody and say, he'll open the door. He'll open the door. He'll open the door. First point was on uh, perspective. I want to talk to you a little bit now under significance. Even after God opened her womb, Leah still desired to be seen as significant. So she starts having children. And she names her first son. Significance. My point there is to aim to please the audience of one, which is God. Leah's problem was that she was trying to please man. And she thought by having children that that would draw her closer to Jacob. But Jacob wanted Rachel. Leah names her first son Reuben, which means see a son. And I believe Leah named him Reuben because she wanted to be seen and noticed. I recall as a child growing up, I was the middle child. I had an older brother. Like Rachel, he was beautiful and well favored. I ain't Leah. I want you to think I, I ain't leaving. But he, he's, he's a model, so he's, he's put together real, real good. They had him 
And my mother and father said, oh, we're going to try again for a girl. But they didn't get a girl. They got Justin. They tried one more time for a girl, and they ended up with twins. Now, I feel like God is telling me, showing, he's showing me something because I had a two boys. If I try again, it might be twins. <laughs> anyway, getting back to the story. When we went to the supermarket, there were four boys in a cart. And everybody would go first to my oldest brother. He's the oldest. Oh, man, look at him. And then it would skip right over me and go to the twins. Look at them. They are so cute. They look just alike. And it would leave little old me out. So my mother told me this, and she tells it to this day. When people did that, I would say, I'm Justin Elijah Cole. Stick my shoulders up because I wanted them to know my name. I wanted to be seen. When I was in school, they didn't even call me Justin. They called me Lil Herd because he went to school with me. And it's funny because the circles, when I go back to where we grew up, they forget my name. They say, oh, you one of the twins. Nah, I'm Justin Elijah Cole. The pain of feeling invisible when people didn't notice me hurt. And if we were all honest in here, have you, if you have ever hoped that someone would notice you and they didn't, you can understand how myself and Leah felt. So she counters this feeling by having another son. Her second son, which his name is Simeon, which gives us much insight into her personal struggles as Reuben's name did because Simeon means to be heard. So she wasn't seen and now she is not heard. This reveals to us that Leah had to be talking about her pain and discouragement and no one had been willing to listen. When no one is listening and you're talking, you, 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 you feel like you are ignored. And then feelings of being devalued start to set in, if we were all honest in here. Have you ever attempted to communicate to someone and discovered that they weren't even listening to you? That's a pet peeve of mine. almost want to take off my shoe and heave it at them. It's frustrating and painful when you're talking, but no one is listening. So not being heard influenced her to have... Her third son. Her third son's name is Levi, which means to be joined or be connected. So she wasn't seen, she wasn't heard, which now she has a desire to be connected to the people who are, in, in essence, turning her, their backs on them. Verse 34 says, now Jacob will become attached to me because I gave him three sons. This was her thought. And I know mothers can identify with Leah's attempts because mothers understand what carrying three kids is like. That's 27 months of pregnancy. They know the physical toll of bearing three children, the aches, the pains, the stretching, the labor, the delivery. I have been through all this to give my husband three strong, healthy sons. The least he could do is connect with me and appreciate me. And the ladies say, Amen. Okay, so maybe you've never been through Leah's circumstances. But you have had your life disfigured in a different manner. Things have been turned inside out, out of whack because of your longing to be joined with a certain person or group that is neglecting you. Maybe your finances have been stretched too thin because you thought wearing the right clothes and driving the right car would finally cause others to notice you. Or maybe you're unsure of who you are because you've been pretending to be someone you are not and attempt to connect with the it crowd. 
The connections you really long for are not going to happen because you work hard enough, spend enough, adjust your personality enough, or do enough right things. From a spiritual perspective, your connection with God is already established. It's just a matter of turning your focus onto him in a way from the people who aren't paying attention anyway. The divine connections God has for you don't require the kind of effort you've been putting into to connect with others. Because when God wants to join your life with someone else's, there's a grace and there's an ease and there's a deep sense of rightness about it. You don't have to bend over backwards struggling to make it happen because God will make it happen for you. The question I have for you is, do you know who you are? Do you know your form? Because plenty of people are out here in these streets trying to fit in where they're not formed in. And just like Cinderella's stepsisters, they will never discover, never discover their true destiny because their foot, your foot will never fit in someone else's shoes. That's good right there. Because a prince marries a princess, not an imposter. And some of us are connecting our lives with imposters, trying to fit in with the wrong crowd. They no good for you, leave them alone. They're imposters. And you're devaluing yourself because you're trying to fit in something that God told you I didn't create you to fit in and be in that way. Leah, after three sons, she tries one more time. And the Bible says that she has a fourth son and she calls his name Judah. Judah means praise. In other words, she's saying this time, I tried three times. I tried it my way three times and he still didn't see me, hear me, or connect with me. But after this fourth time, I'm going to name him Judah because Judah means praise. Leah realized that her central focus was off. She was too busy trying to get a man to love her. So she realized my focus is off, my priorities are off. Instead, I should set my affections on the man above. And when I set my affections on the man above, he'll cause everything on this earth to be in in order. God was paying attention to her the whole time. God loved her before Jacob even entered her life. And God loved her before the children were even born. And God would love her even after the kids were born. Here's the word for somebody today that God loves your flaws and all. God sees your scars and all. Stop performing to get others to notice you. Quit trying to be seen. Stop worrying about being heard. Refrain from the iffy connections and realize that God does see you. God does hear you. And God is connected to you. So guess what? Since I know these things, since Leah knew these things, the fourth time, she said, I will praise. I'm going to name him Judah. Because from this point forward, I will praise the God who sees me for me and still loves me the same. I came today to tell somebody that he loves you for you. Because the Bible says you're fearfully and wonderfully and wonderfully made. I'm closing. But before I close... 
I want to share with you something that my third grade teacher showed me. Her name was Miss Farlow. Still teaching today, my favorite teacher of all time. I told you that the title of the message was A Love Letter. And one of the things she taught me in third grade was how to write a friendly love letter. And one of the things that I remember, the things that I remember, that there are five parts of a love letter. The first part is the heading. And in the heading, you put the address or whom the letter is sent to. So last night when I was studying, God said, get a letter. And show the church. Today is July 30th. 2007, I was serious about this thing, y'all. July 30th, 2017, and I put the address to the church, 113 North Center Street, Centra Street, Merchantville, New Jersey, 08109, addressed to the church. But then I learned that the second part of the letter is the greeting. In the greeting, you write the name of the person down that you are, the letter is going to, and God said, this letter is for every person that will find themselves in God's house today. So if you're here, this letter is addressed to you. So I put, dear, to whom this may concern, you just put your name in the blank because this word is for you. And the third part of the letter talks about the body. And my two points on today was God is after your perspective, how you see things. And God wants to let you know that you're significant despite what you may face in this world. Then the fourth part of the letter is the closing where you sign your name on it. But my favorite part of the letter back in third grade was the P.S. And if you've been following along, the first point was about your perspective. That's the P. And the S, God is after your significance. That's the S. So this P.S. is addressed specifically to you. And God told me to tell you, P.S., there are some things in this letter that he wants to deal with us. Now, if it applies to you, you can say amen. If it doesn't apply to you, you can roll with it. But I put the things that apply to me and hopefully something may apply to you. The first thing is, is that God is, 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 is after, like Leah, the spirit of depression. And because Judah's name mean, means praise, it also means yada. Yada means to lift one's hands up and to throw something away. So I pulled out the first thing, which is depression. And I'm going to follow Leah's example of, 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 of giving it to Judah of giving it to Jesus. I'm going to lift it up and I'm going to throw it away. The second thing that I have in this envelope, somebody with me, is low self-esteem. I'm dealing with it, you may not, but low self-esteem. That's an internal issue. And I'm dealing with it and God says, you know what? You're going to do a yada. You're going to take it, you're going to throw it up, and you're going to throw it away because it, it, it can't dwell here no more. The third thing was my insecurity. How I feel about myself when no one is looking. I'm going to take it up and I'm going to give it a yada. I'm going to take it up and I'm going to throw it away. Throwing it away means it can't live here anymore. Look at somebody and say it can't live here no more. The fourth thing is a negative perspective. I'm always seeing my challenges negative with a negative perspective. But God challenged me last night and, and told me that, that the problems are only an opportunity for me to reveal myself in a strong way. So the problems are there to grow you. The problems aren't there to hold you down. The problems are there to lift you up, which yada means. So I'm going to take it and I'm going to throw it. I'm going to throw it away. Look at somebody and say, he's going to throw it away. The next one is rejection. Mm-hmm. Leah was rejected, hated, rejection. I deal with it. Rejection doesn't sit with me too well. 
Because remember, in that cart when I was a little child, my name is Justin Elijah Cole, but God is dealing with me. When, those, when you're rejected, it's okay because I still love you. And he tells me I always have a place in his heart. So I'm going to take the rejection, and I'm going to do a yada. I'm going to take it up, and I'm going to throw it away. Don't worry, I ain't got two more left. The lack of grit. Grit means toughness. Challenges sometimes will intimidate us. It seems like you achieve success on one level. And with God, God says there's, there's a new level. But with this new level, there are new, new devils. So there, there, are, there are new challenges that you have to face even after you achieve one goal. And I'm learning that in life. So oftentimes, for, for a smidget of a time, I can have a lack of grit. Not wanted enough. And God told, me to tell you, God told me to tell you, it's time to show some grit. It's time to put your feet. You're already in the mess. It's time to put your feet planted and look at the challenge in the eye and say, I will overcome. I can make it. This sickness will not kill me. My children acting up won't harm me. I will get through this. Look at somebody and say, I will get through this the lack of grit. So I'm going to take it up and I'm going to offer it up and give it a yada for true to praise. That one went the farthest because that's the one that God is working with me on. I, I'm just talking about me, but I got one more in here. And this one is blank because this one is for you. And you may not say it right now, but whatever the PS is, whatever you're dealing with, God told me to tell you I'm going to leave this one blank because this one is just for you. So whatever the issue is, you take it home, you write it down, you say, you know what, God, this time, this time I deal with the problem, I'll react differently. This time the challenge comes up, I'll respond with the word. And I'll respond with the word that tells me I'm more than a conqueror. I am an overcomer. Greater is he that lives on the inside of me than he that lives, I'm pushing it here, than he that lives in the world. So I'm going to offer it up to the God who sees and knows all. And this time when I offer it up, I'm going to offer it up. Ooh, that, look, at that, look at that one go. I'm going to offer it up to God. Realize that I'm now, uh, I'm over it. I'm over it. I'm over it, but I'm over it. I'm over it, but I'm over it. I'm over it, but I'm over it. I'm traveling. I'm traveling around the stage, but you're going to travel through life, and each time you come some through something, I'm over it, but I'm over it. I'm over it, but I'm over it. Got a new job, new challenges, new responsibility. It looks intimidating, but you know what? God says, I'm in you, and I'm the lion of the tribe of Judah and then when that problem comes you show them you show the problem who I am I'm the lion so you roar at it and I'm gonna say I'm over it I'm over it I'm over it devil you can't stop me because I'm over it devil you can't block me because I'm over it you can't hold me down because I'm over it because my problems are just an opportunity for God to promote me praise and worship sing the song death could not Hold you down. You are the risen king. And as they were singing it, it hit me. Death could not hold you down. You are the risen king.
death could not hold you down. You are, you are, you are. The death, death could not hold him down because he was too powerful. Death was our problem. He died for our problem. And the Bible says that no man ever defeated death except for Jesus. So Jesus' challenge, Jesus' problem was to defeat death. And the last time I checked, he rose. And when he rose, he rose with life and death in his hand. He said, I hold the keys to life. And here's what I love. I said to you earlier that your, that your problems are only an opportunity for God to promote you. When God rose, we were promoted. Because no longer could death hold us. When he rose, he rose with all power. So that gave, gives us the opportunity that when we die, uh, it's not over. When my father died, I realized something, that it wasn't over. Because he was going to be in a better place. No more diabetes was no longer going to harm his body. He wouldn't have to take the insulin shot every night, two and three times a day. I realized that he was in a better, he was promoted. He was promoted. God is wings. And the Bible tells me the last time I checked that one day, one day pastor said it to himself, the trumpet shall rise and Jesus will crack, unzip the sky. And we, ah, me and my daddy will forever be with our daddy. Abba, Jesus, my father.